Hello everybody, my name is Nick Pollock, and we're here tonight for our second episode of what I have decided to affectionately name Roar Lines Radio, the Puck Podcast. I'm joined tonight by our wonderful hockey writer, Doug Leeson, and Doug, what do you think of the new name? I think it's pretty good. Oh, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, alliterations are always good for podcasts and for, well, many things, but I think it just flows off the tongue nicely. Yeah, it's um, very poetic. Yeah, exactly. That's what we like to do here on Roar Lions Roar. We're all just poets at heart. Um, but while we're happy to be here, it sure would be nice if we had little more cheery topics to discuss. In a pretty shocking result from this past weekend, if you did not see it yourself, um, which is possible since it wasn't on television, uh, but Penn State hockey lost to Princeton by a final of 5-4 in the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. It was kind of a weird game in that Penn State, both in the first period, they simultaneously struggled a little bit and also kind of got back to their old ways. Uh, did give up two goals to Princeton in the first, but scored three themselves. One of them, Andrew Sturt, scoring within the first minute of the game. But again, continuing a pretty disturbing trend from the Ohio State weekend, uh, Max Becker scored one for Princeton just about 30 seconds after Sturts put his in the back of the net. So, again, that kind of uh, retaliation is becoming a bit of an issue for Penn State. But still, the team held a 4-2 lead going into the third period, like I said. And then the probably the worst part, the most painful part of this loss, was that it was yet another deflating third period for the Nittany Lions. Gave up three goals to Princeton to lose 5-4, although the last one was a bit controversial. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but Doug, I mean, you can't be happy about this game. Uh, that's a good way to put it. Uh, the the problem they had playing Ohio State in, in that loss, it came back to bite them here in that they gave up two goals as soon as the third period started. Against Ohio State, it was two goals in the first two minutes. This time with a 4-2 lead, Princeton tied it in the first four minutes of the third period, um, which, which, I mean, that sets the tone for the whole period, and it's hard for Penn State to come back from that, as we've seen a few times now. Um, and that really was the problem. It's it's Penn State plays so well for maybe 45, 50 minutes of a game, but then they're just flat for the rest of it, and that's when the other team scores all their goals in bunches. And just to... I mean, another really disappointing part, I think, is that one of the major strengths of this team just a few weeks ago, even, was their penalty kill. And in this game, they gave up two power play goals, both to David Hallisey. I mean, it's... What's going wrong with this team? I mean, it seems like... It, that's not to say that the bottom's falling out because there's still a ton of talent. They still scored uh, four goals against a team that may be bad but has also played really well against good teams this year. But it there just seems like they're losing all that mojo, and it could just be, you know, course of a hockey season. Obviously, you're not going to stay at the same level all year. You take your ups and downs. Is this, I mean, is this just a down for Penn State right now? Are they Do they still have a bounce back in them, or... Is there a little bit of maybe just fatigue on the season happening right now? Um, I'm hoping there's a bounce back coming. I mean, like we said last week, we thought the Princeton game would be the bounce back after a deflating Ohio State series. Um, and we'll, we'll get into what's coming next a little bit later, but uh, it's it's hard to expect a bounce back coming next weekend or, or well, this weekend. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's fatigue. It, it's tough. It's tough to say 
how they lost when you know there's there's no way to watch these games but I, I don't know I think a bounce back has to be coming just because we've seen how good this team can be so I think they're they're not at that level right now they've taken a few steps back but they I think they will get back up to that that high level play eventually yeah so let's talk about the I mean not the story of the game I think the story of the game is the Penn State letdown but let's talk about the final goal the game winning goal for Princeton so for those of you that have not seen it um, we can we can link the recap that I wrote for this game and put it in the podcast post that has the video so you can check that out there if you haven't seen it but just to describe it real quick uh, Ben Foster of Princeton skated down the ice shot one in on Peyton Jones and he deflected it to his left pretty simply Um, and from there I mean not really again not really sure entirely what happened but it seemed like Peyton Jones and really all the Nittany line defenders thought the puck went out of play but it didn't sound like a ref whistle ever blew and Princeton just went and collected the puck did it ricocheted off to the right there and uh, Ryan Ciro just tossed it back in and Foster who had the initial shot was there for just a nice simple tap in over Jones shoulder so I mean what happened on that play from your view I mean, from all I saw was the video after the fact, but I mean, for whatever reason, everybody in everybody in blue thought they saw the puck got a play, and they all, you know, all the all the defenders just started gliding, and Peyton Jones just stood up and pointed at the netting. The Princeton players thought the opposite; they all kept playing hard, and they got the puck. And uh, I don't know, that was it. I I don't know, I don't know if it went out or not, but it's. It's definitely a disappointing way to let in the game-winning goal with a minute and a half left. And it could be my eyes deceiving me. I'm actually watching again right now as we speak. But it, I mean, it doesn't even look like it. The puck doesn't even look like it ricochets up that high. I mean, it looks like it stays pretty low to the ice. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm actually pulling it up right now. I, I would like to see it again. It's yeah. It's weird. It's. I mean. It's just it's such a bizarre thing, and it's possible the video is just not doing it justice because I I'm sure there's a reason that everybody thought the play was dead, but it's it was such a strange strange play, and it like I this is a team that obviously they've had their troubles, but I don't think playing hard and giving their full effort is the problem here. So it it doesn't really make sense that they would just give up on a play like that unless they really thought it was gone. Exactly. They're they're not the type of team to just, you know, to expect a call to help them win. And I'm watching it again. It looks like uh, number 22, who's who's Foster, he he kind of thinks it he might thinks it he might think it went out of play as well because he just kind of glides in front of the net and then he receives the feed and, and puts it in. But it, it seems like more players than not thought that the puck went out of play. Um, yeah, but, it's, it's kind of oh, hard to tell. Oh, if well, he, it's kind of hard to tell if he's just being nonchalant or sneaky. It's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's a weird play. Yeah, it's 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 just too bad. It's yeah. too bad. But even so, I mean, if you're Penn State, you have to be a little upset that it even came to that point. Honestly, I mean, this exactly. Yeah. Penn State was up two goals at the start of the period, and I mean, giving up giving up two goals to let them tie it right away is that's that's as much of a part as in winning or in that's as much of a part in losing this game as it was the final goal. Yeah, and it's we talked last weekend about those things that went wrong in the Ohio Ohio State series, which are the same things we talk about having gone wrong in this one: giving up early period goals, giving up retaliation goals, 
giving up big opposing third periods. I mean, when you do it two weekends in a row, it's not an outlier anymore. It starts to become a trend. Right. As, as well as special teams, uh, instead of being lights out on the penalty kill, Princeton scored on uh, two of four opportunities in this game. Yeah, definitely, definitely disappointing if you're a Penn State fan. Uh, if you didn't see the polls, they dropped to number six, I believe, in both polls. I believe they're down to six in the pairwise as well. Um, but dropped down to number six as a result, which... Five in pairwise. Five in pairwise, still. So. Okay. Um, which, again, will set up a interesting matchup next weekend against a very tough opponent. But we'll get there in just a little bit. Right now, we're going to kind of close the book on Princeton. It was a bad loss. It was a controversial game-winning goal, but it was just one game, a little blip in the middle of the Big Ten schedule. So hopefully, maybe it was the fact that their schedule was thrown off a little bit by that one game. Um, Not that other teams don't have to deal with the same thing, but hopefully there was a little bit of that going on, maybe a little bit of uh, nerves playing in front of the Wells Fargo crowd. Who knows? Uh, but we're going to go ahead and close the book there, and we're going to talk about something a little happier, which is that the Hobie Baker nominees were released this week, and uh, three of them are Penn Staters. For those of you who don't know, the kind of best way to equivalent the Hobie Baker is to call it the Heisman of Hockey, and that's essentially what it is. Uh, Penn State, lucky enough to have three players named to the watch list. Those would be Peyton Jones, Dennis Smirnov, and Andrew Sturtz. Jones, of course, this year is 14-3-2. He has just one shutout, but he's had many, many good games for the Nittany Lions. He has a 2.45 goals against average right now, and he's currently running with a 9.05 save percentage clip. Dennis Smirnov, while he's been quiet recently, still has 29 games on the se- 29 points on the season in just 22 games. Uh, that's 11 goals and 18 assists. And then Andrew Sturch, the goal-scoring machine on the other side of things, is also on the watch list. 17 goals in just 20 games. Last time I checked, he was tied for fourth in the country in goals, I believe. Also has three assists to his name, getting him to that number 20 for his point total. So Penn State has had Hobie Baker nominations in the past. Casey Bailey was on the list once. Uh, was did Taylor Holstrom didn't Taylor Holstrom and, Taylor, Taylor Holstrom and okay. Casey Bailey were there that year. And, and then, then last year was uh, Luke Yuha. Luke Yuha, that's right. Um, so they've had some guys on this list before. Casey Bailey was probably their best shot at having a finalist. He what? Did he make the final cut? No, I don't think he did. No, he came close. I remember he came close. There was a pretty big, uh, a pretty big push by Penn State fans on Twitter to get votes in for him, but he didn't quite make it. This year. Again, it doesn't really seem like any of these guys will be finalists, but considering how young they all are, it's more more just a hat tip to the future of the program, wouldn't you say? I would. When when Holstrom and Yuha were nominated, they were seniors, and when Casey Bailey was nominated, he was a junior, but that was his final year because he left early. And these guys, it's one sophomore and two freshmen that are nominated for Penn State this season. So... I mean, you got to think if they stick around, which I, I believe they will, it's more nominations coming in in the next few years. But to explain a little more how the Hobie Baker process works, there's like 63-ish, uh, I think maybe the, the term is candidates. There's 63 candidates on this watch list. Later in the season, that's narrowed down to 10 nominees and then three finalists and then the winner. So Penn State's never had someone get to that, that top 10 uh, as you said, Casey Bailey got pretty close, and I'm not sure if any of these guys, unless Smirnov or Sturtz 
continues to tear it up. Jones gets, I don't know, four shutouts in his next few games. But it, it's a great sign that all these young guys are, are playing so well and getting recognized for it. And we've talked a lot about how important it is for this Penn State team having such a young core. And again, yeah, this is just this is a great sign of things to come for this program. Even if all these guys, all these fresh, talented freshmen and sophomores, if they don't stick around for all the way till their senior years, which is certainly possible considering the level of talent on the team, it's like like we said, it, it's kind of a hat tip to what Gadowski has put together and what the future of this team looks like. While it's a great honor to be named to this list, again, it, considering there's a lot of people, but there is also a lot of players in college hockey. So to have three players from one team named on here is is an honor and something that Penn State hockey is surely uh, proud of. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, and I understand how they, they don't want to put too many players from one team on the list, but I think actually Trevor Hamilton and Vince Pedrick kind of got screwed here. Definitely. Uh, they're, they're both almost at a point per game. They're the two highest scoring defensemen in the Big Ten, and they, especially Hamilton, he's lights out playing in his own zone. So I, I understand that he's probably maybe the fourth best player on the team, and you can't you can't nominate everyone. But he, I, you got to think he was in contention. Yeah, Hamilton definitely is the is the one guy that stands out as the snub, and we've talked about him. Uh, like we talked about him last time we did this podcast. Again, we've already talked about him now, but he's had a great season, and I it, it is a little disappointed to see him not on there because he deserves some recognition for what he's done, both on offense and defense. So, who knows? Maybe he'll continue to prove the prove uh, the people that put this list together wrong and finish the season with a bang. I but, think so. Yeah, hopefully. So, moving on. As we alluded to earlier, Penn State has a huge series coming up this weekend against the Big Ten foe Minnesota Golden Gophers. Minnesota right now is ranked number seven, currently sitting at fifteen seven and two. That's just a slightly worse record than Penn State 16-4-2. That being said, there is a lot to be afraid of when you think of Minnesota. Right now, they're also ranked 7th in the pairwise, by the way. So, in the second week of the season, they did stumble a little bit, and they were swept in a home-and-home -home with by St. Cloud State, which, of course, is unranked right now and not really something you'd expect. They went on to tie and then beat number 13 North Dakota in November, and then they lost by just one goal to number one Minnesota Duluth, and I believe that was last weekend, correct? That was recent, yep. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that. Yeah, it was a little little bit of a gut punch to see on the same day or at least the same weekend that Penn State lost to Princeton that Minnesota just barely lost to Minnesota Duluth. So that's that was a little disappointing to see. Uh, so far in Big Ten play, Minnesota has split with Ohio State. They swept Michigan State. They swept Michigan once again. Let's just take a moment to think of, just to appreciate the beauty of how bad Michigan and Michigan State are this year. And then oh they my also... god, they're one six and one in the Big Ten. <laughs> oh, it's so glorious. This is how all sports should be. Yeah. Um. And then they also split a series with Wisconsin. So. They have played two of the better teams in the Big Ten, Ohio State and Wisconsin. Uh, obviously, they'll play the third kind of team in that quad of strong teams with Penn State this weekend. Um, one thing that Minnesota is pretty notable for on their team is their number of NHL draft picks. They have eight of their nine defensemen were drafted this year. You have a 
the highest one the highest ones being round two ryan collins drafted by the blue jackets and ryan lindgren drafted by the bruins both in the second round you look at the forwards they had five of them drafted uh three of them drafted four of them drafted in the third round rem pitlick drafted by the predators tommy novak drafted by the predators brent gates by the ducks and taylor camarada by the islanders so clearly there is a lot of star power on this team and a lot of depth to have eight of your nine defensemen be nhl draft worthy is pretty remarkable they they don't have room for for these players that were drafted into the best hockey league in the world that that's horrifying and then the forwards that have been drafted are more depth players like i i think some of their better players uh tyler sheehy justin Kluse, and leon bristed they're, they're, they might be their three best forwards, but below them are five NHL draft picks. And speaking of Tyler Sheehy and Justin Kluse, those are the two that you really want to be careful with if you're Penn State. Sheehy has 33 points in 24 games this year. Kluse has 28 and 24. Um, like you said, they have a bunch of guys that are just really solid role players uh, hovering around a point per game. It's that depth that makes them so dangerous. And for a Penn State team that lately has been one that has faltered as the game has gone on, playing against a team with the kind of depth that the Gophers have could be a real problem. Yeah, definitely. That's that's something Penn State's been able to take advantage of against other teams. They have four really good lines that they can roll against You know, some of the non-conference teams that don't have that depth. They ran into a little bit of trouble against Ohio State because they also can roll four lines, but now Minnesota's a whole different beast. They're they're as good as anybody in having, you know, NHL draft picks on their fourth line. They they can they can more than keep up. Ohio State kept up with Penn State. I think Minnesota's forward core is, is a lot better than Penn State. And then unfortunately for Penn State, if their offense is able to get things kind of going a little more than they did against, well, they did well against Princeton, but a little bit more um, than they have recently overall, Eric Shearhorn's waiting back there in net. So Shearhorn this year, 15-7-2, 2-6-6 goals against, 8-9-8 save percentage, uh, all those stats just a little bit lower than Peyton Jones, but he also has four shutouts this year to Peyton Jones one. Last year, of course, he was the Big Ten Goalie of the Year, and he was a first-team conference player as a freshman. So we know about Shearhorn. He was fantastic last year for Minnesota, and he's been pretty darn solid again this year. Yeah, he's. It, I guess it's a little bit of a sophomore slump in that he went from great to good. But, yeah, as you said, Peyton Jones has played a little bit better than him, minus all the shutouts this year. Um, but, but I don't know. He... He the, the shutouts, that's what the shutouts tell you. He can just steal games, and I don't think he will really have to that often because of how great the team in front of him is. But, I mean, this this is the kind of team that if Penn State outshoots Minnesota like 50-25, to 25, Minnesota could still win 3-2 to because Shirehorn's going to have a great game. Oh, and how... How utterly disappointed it would be to see that again after seeing that against Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's the kind of thing you you can just kind of see it coming. That that feels how 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 the season's going at this point. So aside from that horrific scenario that you've just laid out for us, what is Penn State's key to winning this game? Uh, I think I think the key or the series rather. Yeah, I, I think the key in these close series are 
having the better goalie and the better special teams. So if if Peyton Jones and Shirehorn have kind of that an average game for each of them, that's an advan- an advantage for Penn State because Jones has had a better season. And then on special teams, if our penalty kill can you know cannot allow a single goal in one or two games, that you know that'll be a huge difference. And if we score on a third or half of of Penn State's pe- uh, power plays, I think that'll that's that's what will make the difference. Now, considering those power plays and kind of talking about those other issues, um, those early period goals, those quick retaliation goals, do you see, I mean, do you foresee any sort of growth for Penn State this weekend in those areas? I mean, do you think they're going to, I mean, you got to think the guy Godowski stressed that in practice this week. Do you think they're going to take a step forward there at all, or are you kind of foreseeing more of the same? Um. It's well. I'm looking it up now. It looks like Minnesota is middle of the pack in penalty minutes per game, so that you know is is not the worst news. Um, I I would love to be optimistic and say Penn State takes a step forward, but I mean this is this is Minnesota. This is the best team Penn State has played and and will play this season. So it's tough. I I think. They might they might look better. They might pass the eye test just because I'm sure they stressed it in practice. But I think Minnesota has the defense and and the goalie to to keep the puck out of the net anyway. So before I ask you for predictions for the series and for these games this weekend, um, we'll we'll kind of circle back around to that at the end. I'm gonna I'm gonna go off script a little bit here. We we do have a loose script that we follow for these, but. I was watching uh, NHL All-Star festivities. This, I mean, I actually found myself watching a lot of NHL All-Star festivity highlights from past years recently, too. But just kind of thinking about completely switching gears here, thinking about the future of some of these Penn State players right now. There's still, still a long time to go, a lot of the young guys, but do you foresee any of them having an NHL-type future, even if it's just, uh, I mean, even if it's like a third or fourth line guy that bounces around a few teams do you see any of them getting to that level um it's a good question i think i think a few can be drafted this year some of the freshmen like uh i think byro is eligible smirnov and malari are eligible i think they might be drafted pavlichev and brett murray obviously were drafted but as far as current penn state stars that they they've already pretty much developed in college I think Smirnov has a pretty good shot. Um, I think Andrew Sturtz might be one of the better players in the AHL, but I, I don't think the way he scores goals, which is just you know letting defensemen ride him and being being a stronger skater than everyone else, I don't know if that will translate as well to an NHL game. But Smirnov, he he's a good enough skater, good enough with his stick, good enough. Uh, a very smart player. So I think he, and we mentioned this a little bit on the last podcast, but he, he kind of does play a Johnny Gaudreau type game. So I think he could be a good second, third scoring option, second, third line scoring option in the NHL. Yeah. You kind of hit on exactly what I was going to say. I couldn't remember if we said that in the podcast or if that was on something you wrote where you talked about how Smirnov kind of fits in the world of hockey right now, at least in the world of the NHL, as it's shifting more towards those, little bit smaller speedier guys like Gaudreau so it does seem like it does seem like Smirnov probably has a pretty decent chance to make a little bit of noise 
Yeah, I think also love to talk about this guy, but um, uh, Trevor Hamilton, I think, is is a candidate. He's he has only been in college playing seriously for for a year now because he spent his his freshman year and a little bit of his sophomore year at Miami of Ohio. Didn't really play much and didn't play well when he did. Then he was in the USHL for for two years, and now now he's tearing it up at Penn State. But we haven't seen enough of him really. But I think if he continues how he's playing, he's he's going to be someone who gets a serious look from NHL teams as a free agent once he graduates. Yeah, I feel like if you have a profile like his and kind of a, a history like his, when you have someone kind of explode out of nowhere like that, you, typically that's the kind of guy that professional teams are willing to, like you said, get a serious look or really even give him a shot. Right, I mean, minus the growth spurt, he reminds me a little bit of like Carl Nassib. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a yeah, that's a pretty interesting comparison, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't I know why that, that comes one. to mind, but I, I think that's that's kind of fair. Yeah, absolutely. Huh, interesting. Um, so speaking of the NHL, speaking of Penn State and the NHL, do you have an update for us on our boy on our boy Casey Bailey? How's he doing up there? Oh, I I just finished this article actually today. Oh, he, perfect. A um, lot of highlights from the AHL All Star Game because he. He was sent down from the Ottawa Senators, where he didn't really play much, but he, he was a healthy scratch while they had some guys injured. Um, he came back down to Binghamton in time to go to the AHL All-Star game, and he uh, he scored two goals in their little... I, I think they also do a three-on-three tournament. He scored two goals in his game. Um, he was in the hardest shot competition, and he he uh, his shot didn't register because he hit it so hard, which... <laughs> because which, he broke the record. <laughs> Yeah, well, it also he was I guess disqualified me because of that. But um <laughs> he uh yeah, he's doing well. He he's somewhere near he's not very close to a point per game, but he has like 15 goals in 30 games plus a bunch of assists. So he yes, he he still is the best player to come out of Penn State. Still has a good chance at playing in the NHL. I think what what Ottawa has shown us is when they have an injury, he's the first guy they call up. So he's he's just a few steps away from from taking that next step. Yeah, and we've seen him head up to Ottawa at least two or three times this season. Aside aside from an injury, what's it going to take for him to start like latching on a little more with an NHL team, whether it's Ottawa or whether he finds his way elsewhere? Well, yeah, I I wrote about this a little bit over I think it was yeah it was Christmas break I actually got to see him play in uh, Lehigh Valley and the big thing that held him back uh, coming out of college was his skating he was a fine skater for college but nowhere near uh, the speed of the professional levels so it looked like he actually was a, a pretty good skater uh, keeping up when he was when he was back checking when they were playing the Phantoms but I think a little more of that a little more if he can turn skating into a strength, he he has always had an NHL quality shot. But if he can turn skating into a strength, then he'll he'll be you know a, a very good, not just a capable, but a very good uh, sniper at the NHL level. And boy, would that be fun to see! It'd be yeah, that, that'd that be would very be cool. fun. Maybe who knows? Maybe one day he'll be teaming up with uh, Dennis Smirnov on a line. That would be a lot of fun to see. I think it'd look pretty good. Smirnov dishing passes out to the point for Bailey. I think that would look just fine. Um, Sounds good to me. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, we're gonna circle back now after that brief, uh, 
brief NHL interlude there, circling back to the Minnesota series. So we know that things are looking pretty shaky for Penn State right now. We know they're heading into this series against one of the better teams in the country, arguably the best team in the Big Ten, Penn State, Ohio State, Minnesota, all up there. And it's Wisconsin's be, taking and it. Wisconsin? yep. Wisconsin's on a surge right now. It's it's going to be tough. It's going to be a very tough series for Penn State. It's going to be a tough series for Minnesota, too. Um, Penn State may be struggling right now, but there's still a lot of firepower and a lot of great players on the team. And Minnesota's had their share of difficulties here and there this year. So it's not a cakewalk for either team. It's going to be a tough series, and it should be pretty fun to watch. I don't believe, as I pull it up quickly, I don't believe either of the games are going to be on television. Oh, I, I think they. I think Saturday is. Let's see. Let's yes, see. you're right. Saturday is. Saturday will be on Big Ten Network. Uh, Friday will be on BTN to go. I believe Friday they're showing the Ohio State-Michigan game, and that's why Penn State-Minnesota is not on. Again, people thinking Michigan was going to be good before the season. I guess, Although, I guess, I guess they probably would have still shown that one anyway since it's Michigan-Ohio State, but regardless but in two weeks both penn state minnesota games at pagula will be on the big 10 network yes that's gonna be that's smart scheduling that was well done and the week after that actually they'll have three consecutive games on btn that'll be fun michigan unheard of it's unheard of (laughs) oh god oh but then to end the season unless it's just not updated yet to end the season against michigan those won't even be on btn to go I don't know. Well, maybe that maybe that part of the schedule is just not updated yet. That doesn't seem right. Um, but all right, predictions. I am going to let you go first. Oh well, I don't know yet. Let's see. I, I, think... I was I was going to start. <laughs> but I was I was going to say something, and then I realized I don't really know yet. So it's all you. I think uh, I think Penn State will keep it close on Friday. I think it'll kind of be like I said earlier. Penn State will outshoot them kind of comfortably, like 40 to 30, 50 to 40, something like that. But I think Minnesota just has Minnesota has a better shot selection. Um, they block enough shots. They make Penn State take enough bad shots that the game's like three to two. Um, and I think on Saturday, kind of hoping, kind of hoping, kind of thinking this might be the case that we finally see this bounce back and it's like a like a 4 to 1 Penn State win. So I'm going to go 3-2 loss 4 to 1 win. I was thinking something similar. I we talked about how we both expected the bounce back to come against Princeton. It seemed like they were there and maybe maybe just a little bit of complacency heading into that third period, a little bit of looking down on their opponent a bit. Obviously, that's not going to be the case against Minnesota. They know they're in for a dogfight and I think that does lead to them kind of refinding their form, rediscovering their form and understanding that it takes it's going to take their best effort to get at least one win this weekend. So, I agree. I think it's going to be a split. I don't I don't know which day is which day Penn State's going to win. I I sure hope it's on Saturday so we can see it on Big 10 Network instead of BTN to go. But I do agree. I think there'll be a split. I could see something like Minnesota taking one three one and then Penn State winning a five two game something like that maybe um, getting Shearhorn on the ropes early and then really just pounding him with everything they've got so 
Yeah, I agree. I think a split is in order. That should get Penn State uh, back on track a little bit heading into the Wisconsin series right after that. Very, very tough stretch for Penn State right now. Two games at Minnesota. Yeah, these, yeah it, two yeah, games at Wisconsin, games are, two games at home against Minnesota. It's going to be rough. Yeah, but fortunately after that, it's, it's Michigan State, although you never know. That's true, yeah. And then, and then just two weeks, two weeks after that, you get Michigan again. So we do know about that one. Michigan is not good. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, I just can't <laughs> stop saying it. It's so much fun to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't get to say it a lot. Michigan was Michigan versus Penn State in hockey last year was absolutely brutal. We what lost all five games in like blowouts. Yeah, it's, it was, it's fun. That did you go to Did you go to Madison fun. Square Garden? I did. Yes. Yeah, we we were there as well. We were. Uh, with Black Shoe Diaries at the time, it was myself, Matt, uh, Bill, uh, a couple other friends of the site were all there watching. And yeah, that the hockey game was pretty brutal. Basketball game, you know, I'm I'm not too invested in that, fortunately. But that was that was not great. And then the hockey game was much worse. Yeah, yeah, still really cool though. Really cool idea. Really cool environment. I was I'm a little disappointed that this year they had. I think it was Wisconsin against. Ohio State in hockey, and then Wisconsin against, or it was regardless. It was it was not it was a Wisconsin doubleheader against of the same Rutgers teams. in basketball. Ah, okay. Wisconsin yeah, played yeah. both. They played Ohio State then Rutgers. Yeah, I I really li- I liked it a lot better when it was the same teams playing both. But again, it's yeah. that that kind of yeah. limits your options since not many teams have hockey teams. Yeah, yeah. But oh well. Uh, yeah. So, all right. There you have it. Doug and I both are predicting a split. Doug's is slightly more uh, specific than mine. Doug's calling for a 3-2 loss on Friday night and then a 4-ish one victory on Saturday. I'm calling for a split. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it will. I'm going to say confidently it will. As always, be sure to visit RoarLionsRoar.com and check out all of Doug's awesome hockey content. I believe uh, you just said before you have something coming out tomorrow on... Two things. Two things coming out tomorrow. So an NHL update. Oh, and the preview, of course. So we'll have an NHL Bingo. update and preview when you're probably listening to this tomorrow, which will be Friday. So be sure to check the site for those. Check back for all the awesome things Doug does. He's very, very good at his job here. We very much enjoy having him. As always, be sure to visit a Storeline store. We have a lot of great shirts on there. They're all wonderfully, wonderfully soft. And our hockey shirt, ruining college hockey since 2012, we helped was helped. Uh, the the Roar Zone helped us develop it, and it's really cool. And we're really excited uh, to get those in. I'm sure you'll see a bunch of them on TV relatively soon. Certainly by the end of the season. Um, but yeah, as always, this has been fun. I think this is going well. This Roar Lines Radio Puck Podcast, and yeah, I'm glad we committed to doing this two weeks in a row so now we can officially say that it's a thing <laughs> yeah well i i think we're gonna make it three we have momentum yeah exactly it, sh- it we should be able to make it at least the rest of the season off-season additions might be sparse maybe like one or two but we'll see uh but yeah this is good so for myself nick Pollock, for doug leeson the wonderful hockey writer thanks for listening everyone have a good night go state